Hello and welcome to the Sunnydale Study Group, the podcast for returning Scoobies and Buffy newbies. I'm Omar. I'm Chris. And today we are joined by a very, very special guest. It's Emma Fox. Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah. Thanks How's for having me. It's of great. Course. It's Saturday when we're recording this. It's afternoon, but you know, Saturday, one o'clock is like morning. Yeah, so it's like exactly. early morning. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> Having a coffee, ready to talk about some Buffy, you know? Great. Well, yeah. as like the apocalypse <laughs> is coming, you were the only person we could think of to help us. Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, if there's anybody that you can really count on in the event of an apocalypse, it is me for yep. sure. Yep. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, Luna. Luna the witch. I know. Luna the witch. I know. She might actually sp- supposedly be causing the apocalypse, but she's trying hard to not be the cause yeah. of the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a struggle. Uh, folks might recognize you from uh, Hyper Otaku. Yes. Hyper. Uh, as well as Pencils and Parsecs, of yeah, course. sweet Star Wars RPG. Of... Yeah, we just had our, our uh, season two premiere. We're on a sort of... Hawaii planet? Uh, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty great. <laughs> nice. And there are or aren't porgs involved? There are, uh, okay. and that is because the wonderful community at Hyper RPG donated money for them to be involved. They unlocked them in the game. Great. So, yep. I mean, they're adorable, you know? Mm -hmm. They're the Ewoks of the new generation. They definitely are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's the thing is like there's all these people that are freaking out about Porgs and they're like, it's Disney, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, did you, what are are Ewoks, guys? Like, uh, like cute sort of mascot-y characters in Star Wars are not a new thing no. by any stretch of the imagination. No. no. It's like, we live in a world with like BB-8. <clears throat> right, like, <laughs> right? What? Yeah, and I mean, this is the thing. I guarantee you, they're not going to be that involved in the story. They're going to be background creatures and in like two scenes, probably. They, I hope that they take down the First Order. <laughs> <laughs> That's the twist. The first order, order, yeah. Yeah. That's the twist, is uh, the Porg are actually the new uh, resistance army. (laughs) You don't need anything else, just Porg. Mm -hmm. You see them, like, taking down Snoke. Mm -hmm. Just, like, the hologram itself. Hell yeah. There's no, like, other actual Snoke. It's just a hologram. It's just a hologram, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm convinced. Maybe Snoke is a Porg gone bad, you know? It's just an evil Porg that's controlling this projection of Or, like, it opens his head, like, when, like, the head of something Mm -hmm. opens, and there's a smaller Mm -hmm. thing inside of it. Yep. Yeah, the old poor can't come to the phone right now. Like that kind of situation. <laughs> yep, yeah. exactly, exactly. Uh, folks also up? might recognize you from Collider yeah. as well as Schmodown. Yeah, yeah, I do uh, Collider TV talk. I'm usually on on Mondays and Wednesdays, but sometimes I'm on Thursdays as well, just kind of depending on the schedule. Uh, yeah, and then I uh, I am well known for uh, being the mean Gene Okerlund of the movie trivia Schmodown. <laughs> uh, I am the, the sort of ultimate face uh, interviewer who gives the heels a lot of shit, so... <laughs> Curse on this podcast, I just realized. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I always find that whenever I'm doing podcasts or after shows or whatever where I'm reviewing existing source material, we always keep our goal as keep the language the level of the show that you're talking about. Yes. So so probably no F bombs, but like the occasional whatever is fine. Yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. That's a great rule of thumb. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Uh, which we oftentimes break, but <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Listen, I'm, to be fair, I review a lot of shows that are intended for children, <laughs> even though adults get a lot of enjoyment out of them, like Star Wars Rebels and yeah. Voltron. And, you right. Know. <laughs> like, you don't want to be, like, dropping F-bombs for Yo Gabba Gabba. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. <laughs> uh, so you are super well-versed in pop culture. I you am. can hold your own, I think. Uh, I think we should just dive right into the apocalypse Let's and just do it. use our tool set to see what we can do to fight off episode 411, 
doomed. Mm. So let's head into the library. Okay. So just in case you didn't know, we're in this we're in the UC Sunnydale Library. Yes. Because as we know, the Sunnydale Library was destroyed. It was. During the fight with the mayor. But that doesn't mean you can't go back to it. No. Nope. <laughs> yeah, as we learned in this episode. I was gonna say, yeah, I mean, we we get to see it firsthand destroyed in this episode because mm-hmm. they, they gotta go back. Yep. They gotta go back. <laughs> Maybe we should go there. You should we head up okay. All right. Let's head over to the old no, the our old recording library. studio, the Sunnydale I mean, Library. This is the time to do it, right? Yeah, you're right. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, let's head on in. Here's a little secret: library doors connect to other libraries. Yes. Yeah. It's like a Narnia type technology. Yeah, mm. like the puddle jumping. Yeah. I like that. That's very convenient. It would have made traveling a lot easier in my life if I'd just known that sooner. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to go to the West Hollywood Library and just tell more back hop. to North go Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Yep, I like that. Okay, so we're now in the charred remains mm-hmm. of yeah. the old Sunnydale High Library. Sunnydale yes. High, welcome back. Well, there's back. mayor meat everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's quite uh, um, unsanitary, right? Yeah, I'm not going to eat left. it. Oh, yeah, no. you mean the meat specifically? Yeah, I'm not going to eat this marrow. Yeah, I mean, as far as we know, it's been rotting there. Because, I mean, they're they're into their freshman year of college at this point. Yeah. That happened at the end of senior year of high school. So yes. that marrow meat's been, it's been rotten there for a, a, few, yeah. a few months now. Mm-hmm. This is not... <laughs> Okay. No. Yeah, the, the charred remains of this building have been largely ignored by yeah. the city. I, that that <laughs> blew my mind, by the way. I, when they went back to the library, my reaction was, okay, they just left this. Because the high school left still it. is there, right? Yeah, the it's not. They still... didn't, that's the thing is they didn't demolish it no. or mm-hmm. make any. Okay. No, they oh, left boy. a, yeah, just a formerly exploded building that yep. you can drive past. Still yep. the snake meat. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yep. And a uh, so let's say uh, before we pull up dust off these chairs that are completely charred up. Let's say you were too busy washing your clothes and then they shrunk, or let's say you were too busy trying on Xander's wine shirts, <laughs> or let's say you were trying to figure out exactly how to fall onto a stake in what is both hilarious and very sad for one of the characters. That's totally fine because Chris Vermonte is going to give you a cram session where he is going to summarize this entire episode in five easy. It's the apocalypse again sentences. All right, Chris, take it away. Buffy and Riley are dealing with the recent revelation that they've been keeping secrets from each other of their uh, demon hunting lifestyles. And Riley is fully unaware that the Slayer was even a thing at all, while Buffy is incredibly versed and ahead of the curve, knowing what Riley is part of the commando organization known as the Initiative. But that conversation is cut short when an earthquake strikes. One. Buffy goes to Giles, believing that the earthquake is a portent of the apocalypse, and Giles says, no way, it's Southern California, Buffy, but he's wrong, and it turns out that there are varal demons Mm -hmm. who are creating a ritual, I believe it's called the Ritual of Three, Mm -hmm. and they are planning to open the Hellmouth and bring apart uh, about the apocalypse, which they are doing inside of the charred remains of Sunnydale High School. Two. Xander and while Xander and Spike are having living together pains and Willow is undergoing feeling kind of useless and struggling to find her identity in college that is exacerbated when she runs into Percy the guy that she used to tutor who makes her feel like a nerd and a picked on person all the more while she is at this aftershock party in college 
but her mind is quickly thrown off of that when she ends up next to a sacrificed human student uh, at the party who has been chopped up and cut about on his chest because of the ritual of the Varl Demons. Three? Mm-hmm. Yeah, three? Three? That's it. Yeah. 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 You're putting mm-hmm. Charles Dickens to shame there <laughs> yeah. with uh, those sentences. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my goal is to shame Dickens. <laughs> um, the Buffy gang realizes that there is an apocalypse happening, so they have to go to the high school, and they're not going to just let Spike not come, so they dress him up in these clothes and they make him hide his identity to Riley and Spike over the course of Buffy and Riley and the whole gang fighting against these viral demons, Spike discovers that he can actually hurt demons because uh, the chip in his head has been preventing him from attacking anything living, but it gives him a bit of a thrill. Four. The viral demons almost complete their ritual, but as one leaps in for the final moment, Riley and Buffy combine their powers and put aside their discomforts of the lies and the deception and team up, and he ties a rope to her and throws her down into the hellmouth where she grabs the demon, pulls it back up out of the hellmouth, and stops the apocalypse from happening. And then Xander and Willow are watching TV, and Spike says, let's go hunt demons. I'm heroic. I want to be heroic now. Five. Very <laughs> nice. Yeah. I would say probably the best cram session. <clears throat> nice. Yeah. <sighs> Sometimes those get a little... But yeah, that, that, that summarized it very well. Okay, this episode's okay. thick. It is. It is. like a lot going on in the episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was, I, I particularly liked your sentence about the B-plot. Yeah. <laughs> it really <laughs> wrapped it up. It did. It really did. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, well, this episode, so there are three credited writers on this episode. It's Marty Noxon, Doug Petrie, and I believe... Uh, Jane Espenson. Jane Espenson. Mm-hmm. So I read a little thing <laughs> that the reason that they all wrote on this episode was it was originally assigned to Doug Petrie or Petrie, mm-hmm. and it was his wedding weekend, uh, so he wasn't able to complete the whole episode, and uh, uh, Marty, Jane, and Joss were also at his wedding, so like in the midst of the wedding, they were like, I think, talking about like, breaking the story, and <laughs> that's hilarious. Jada Benson had to leave early to go finish it, so that is why they all worked together on this episode, mm. and it brings them back to high school, the first time we've gone back to high school since we left it. That's wow. true. Yeah, and and Willow was metaphorically going back to high school. Yes. I mean, she she basically said as much in the episode too, yeah. where where she was being made to feel like she did in high school, and mm. she was just a nerd that nobody liked. Yeah, <laughs> it was really good. It was awesome. Yeah, seeing Percy again, and it's the last spoiler alert, not mm-hmm. that spoiler alert. Yeah, last time we ever see Percy. Yeah. Who it turns out remained a jerk. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's just—that's the thing about there's no layers to Percy. He's just no. the worst. Yeah. He's just a terrible person. Yeah, he just kind of sucks. Kind of like a croissant where you're just like, "Ooh, is there something?" And you keep opening. You know, mm-hmm. like, nope, no, just the just same more pastry. bread. Yeah, just more bread. <laughs> yep. Oh man, but uh, but golden and crispy. Mm-hmm. I would describe him as sure, sure. sure. <laughs> We're not gonna fight you on that. No. Yeah. So the aftershock party is interesting. Did you guys ever have natural disaster parties like that? Ooh. Because you're from, the, you're both from the East Coast. Uh, yeah, I am from the, the East Coast. Easternly coast, yeah. I feel like maybe we had a hurricane party 
one time in college. It's always so funny to me now to watch shows where people are in college. (laughs) Because I remember watching this as a teenager Mm -hmm. and thinking, well, college is clearly just like that. Mm -hmm. Spoilers, it's not. Especially the size of the dorm rooms. They yep. really, they're very, very misleading. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they always look so sort of cute and decorated. They're not. They're mostly cinder block walls. Uh, mm-hmm. And also the fact that they always have parties at dorms. No way. In college, in, in TV shows, yeah. like that does not happen. No. It's like in someone, I guess it's like an impressionistic view because <clears throat> I think in someone's head, mm-hmm. they're having a raging party. Yeah, and you, but you and they're in a cool dorm where there's all their stuff is. Yeah, but you as an outsider, even if they're like in your hall, you walk past and it's just for me because I lived in uh you know I was I lived in the guys uh, hallway. Mm. It's just four dudes playing Smash Brothers and turning around and being like, hey, you want to join in? Yeah. And you look around and you're like, it's hot. There's a fan that's just blowing all of your sweat into yep. one corner of the room. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that is the thing too. Is is and particularly in this episode where Willow goes over to that other dorm, they're legit just having like a kegger mm-hmm. in yeah. their common room. It's like, guys, you're you're not twenty one. Like, where are your RAs? Yeah. Who's allowing for any of this to happen? Also, that's an expense. Like a keg is expensive. Yeah. You gotta throw in for that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At my school, they it was just so uncology at all. Oh, because you went to NYU. Yeah, and it was yeah. like, it, oh, didn't, yeah. it didn't feel like college. You yeah, you just were living in New York. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I... There I, was a lot of Smash Brothers. I, but yeah, we play a lot of Smash Brothers in college, too. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really what college is all about, is playing Smash Brothers. Uh, no, my school, uh, I had a very sort of typical college experience. Okay. I went to um, James Madison University, which is in Harrisonburg, Virginia, mm-hmm. okay. and it was one of those things where when... The, when and... Oh, yeah, oh, the whole deal. Like, when the students were not there like a third of the town's population was gone. And I mean, it wasn't like the school was huge. I think we had like 16,000 undergrads at the time that I went. So it was big, but it's not like Penn State or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, Arizona State or something like that. It was a sort of normal on the regular size of yeah. large state school. Uh, and and I mean, yeah, it, it definitely was, I think, as close as you get to that sort of TV mm-hmm. uh, or movie college experience, but it's still, it's it's not like <laughs> it looks in movies and TV shows. Nope. It's a lot sadder <laughs> yeah. than on TV. And not in terms of like a depressing way, but- No, it's- no, it's just the, the reality is not as glamorous yeah. as it seems. It's kind of like- Growing up watching the TV show Friends, I thought that's what being an mm-hmm. adult was going to be like. Uh, it's really not, though. No, not quite. No. <laughs> yeah, but we can live through these college it's true. shows. How old? Yes. How old? Sorry. This to a dimension that question never just popped in my head. How old are they in Friends in the beginning? I, like uh, mid, they're they're not super young, maybe twenty five ish. Because Ross is married on his way to the end of his first marriage. Yeah, right? yeah, maybe maybe a little. They might be a little closer to thirty, but I okay. don't know. I remember the all I remember in terms of age is the them. one where they all turn thirty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and Joey's like, no. And I feel like that okay. was a couple years into the show <laughs> yeah. too. So don't take ten. Yeah, so they're you know twenty seven, twenty eight, maybe. Okay, because yeah. I think how I met your mother. Think, if I'm not mistaken, because I just started rewatching it. I think that Ted is like 28, and they make a thing where it's like it's late, late 20s, which doesn't 
it's like I, I don't know i guess it kind of makes sense if like he was like a genius and he could like later teach architecture classes sure like a few seasons in. yeah but it's still like that school has lax yeah uh, <laughs> uh professorial requirements absolutely absolutely <laughs> yeah but yeah i always want because yeah i was like oh wait ross was like married and yeah. like was having like a kid and stuff when yeah. was that happening but he wasn't but he definitely wasn't 30 at the beginning of the series i don't believe so, so. yeah I mean, but I think it was also different pre the crash of 08. In the 90s. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was like a historical moment for the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's that's like, very true. Yeah, those of us who came into adulthood, and <clears throat> yeah. I'm putting that in air quotes that you can't hear. Do you think that'll show up for like future geologists where they're like looking at rocks and they're just like, and it looks like, you're not going to believe me, but there was a financial crisis <laughs> yeah. morgan how can you tell it, i just can't yeah <laughs> it is, it's, it's interesting i feel like it kind of changed the shape of everyone's post-college experience because for me mm-hmm. graduating as a theater major i had basically just as much of a chance of getting a job in my field as friends of mine who graduated with like a business degree you know what i mean yep. yeah. like, again yep. it was like yeah, because I, I graduated college in 2008, so. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Throwing yeah. darts in the wind. Yep. Uh, but, yep. Uh, so you had hurricane parties? Uh, yeah, I think we had a hurricane party one time. And it, or, or, no, no, no. Oh, you know what we would have in college for sure? Because uh, in Virginia, where I went to school, yeah. uh, there was not, we got snow occasionally, okay. but it was so occasional that the town really couldn't deal with it. So we would definitely uh, have like okay. snow day parties all the time. Like I yeah. vividly remember this was not so much a part. I think eventually we all went back to, okay, so I didn't party at frat houses. I partied at acapella houses, obviously, because, uh, you know, because uh, Pitch Perfect was sort of my college experience. Um, but I remember one time it was snowing and like the businesses wouldn't necessarily close because there was a lot of stuff you could walk to. You just couldn't really drive because mm-hmm. there were no snow plows. Mm-hmm. So we all walked uh, to one of the Mexican restaurants. I'm totally drawing a blank on the name of it. I want to say it was like El Chavo or something. Um, and you didn't ever want to order food there, especially if it had meat because it was like a little shady. Mm-hmm. But they had like $3 margaritas. So we just like went and walked in the snow and got wasted like drinking these $3 margaritas. Uh, yeah. Uh, and yep. then outside, the weather outside is frightful. <clears throat> but inside, there's margaritas. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it was. That's how it was. Yeah. yeah. Similar to that, I never had any kind of disaster party. I mm-hmm. think that just growing up in New Hampshire, at times the entire state is just covered in a large layer of snow. Oh, yeah. And then it just sort of turns into a no one drives and just hops on their cross country skis and has a little <laughs> yeah. winter hops wonderland. Hops on their cross country skis. <laughs> Did you often cross country ski to your friends' houses? Uh, well, I'd have to kind of go to their area <clears throat> first, <clears throat> but yeah, you'd, you'd and then you'd ski to <clears throat> your friend's house, like in between. You know, you yeah. you go through the woods. I don't. Yeah, I do know. I know exactly what you're talking about. I really do. Yeah, because I grew up in Connecticut, so I also yeah, grew up just that. in a forest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we got cross country. Just like a thing, you guys like how people like razor scooter yeah. to a friend's house yeah. in the suburbs. You guys, yeah. I mean, for us, ski. I mean, for us, it was like if the weather was good, you would just rollerblade to your friend's house. Yeah, okay. obviously. I uh, just, huh, I just that's a new thing. Cross country skiing between houses. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. totally, it's totally thing. normal. Yeah. I remember watching. Uh, um, 
the original uh, Stepford Wives oh, with uh, by William uh, Goldman with a yes of Princess Bride fame mm-hmm, yeah uh, and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yeah. Uh, I had a, a couple of friends who I was watching the original movie with, and there's a scene where um, uh, the main woman. Why am I totally drawing a blank on the actress's name? Anyway, so she like. Walk, she's like in her like backyard working on something and then the other woman like comes walking just through the woods like in her backyard and my friends were like what is happening and I was like no 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 that's really how it is in Connecticut like that is 100% true we would just cut through each other's lawns and then you'd be in the woods and yeah it's oh, yeah. uh it's it's quite the it's it's uh uh not all of the east coast is New York City let's put it that way <laughs> right huh. uh, but uh so College. Yep. Yeah. Misconception. Yeah. The party, the aftershock party turned into a shocking party in mm-hmm. and of itself yeah. for these demons somehow infiltrated the party without yeah. being seen and Lay killed a man. About. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and killed a man. So <clears throat> I always find it so funny whenever they do these Hellmouth episodes because because it's the Hellmouth, it's supposed to be special. Mm-hmm. And this one is and isn't. I, I yeah. totally agree with you because I felt like... It's funny that, okay, it is a Hellmouth episode. That is the plot of the episode is the, you know, these demons are basically sacrificing themselves to yeah. open the Hellmouth. And it's like, not really a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like they yeah. don't, it doesn't feel like a big of them. Yeah, I'm sorry, sorry. I just like punched you in the elbow. Yeah, uh, it doesn't feel like a big event no. episode. Definitely not. No. <laughs> and it's like the Zeppo in season three where... It does feel like a big event episode because mm-hmm. the whole point is that you're seeing it from Xander's perspective mm-hmm. where right. he's not part of it. But it, like when you like get a glimpse into the moment, it's like Buffy and Angel are like having these like heartbreaking conversations. Faith is getting thrown through the doors. It's just like super intense and epic hellmouth. Whereas this, it's cool because we haven't seen the high school in a while. But at the same time, it's like the whole the school's just been abandoned and no one did anything well, about it. It's so weird. And I, I feel like in some ways this episode is maybe a little misplaced. Like, maybe we should have waited a few more episodes before we got in Hellmouth territory because this is right on the heels of Hush, which was very much event television. Like, I remember seeing the promos for Hush and going, I have to watch Buffy. Gotta tune in. I have to. It was the same way I always felt as a little kid watching, like, Are You Afraid of the Dark on Snick? You know what I mean? Where it's like... You have to watch it because you have to prove that you're brave enough to watch it. And then yeah. you have to be able to talk about it with all your friends. That was hush for me. I remember yeah. you know, the promos. It was like, oh my God, this is going to be so scary. I have to watch it. I have to watch yeah. it in the moment live. I can't have anybody spoil it for me. And I mean, granted, this was before the internet was at large. It yeah. certainly was around and there were there were forums. and um, But you had to find a stream. No, yeah. no, no, yeah. definitely not. Uh, I want... I can't remember. I remember watching Buffy on our TiVo, but I can't remember if this predates when we had TiVo. So it definitely was. Uh, this is the first 2000s episode yeah. of Buffy. I think we already touched on 2000s. I believe it was January 18th was the air date. It is. This was wow. the That's first. Weird. Yeah. That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. yeah, this is the two. This was, so this is the Y2K yeah. episode. Wow. We all yeah. survived, and we here did. we are having we this did. sort of anticlimactic. How did you guys feel episode? about the Y2K bug? 
Oh, I my I I, I didn't believe in it. I was, like, <laughs> I was more focused on the Will 2K, to be honest. Yeah, yeah Will 2K. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The I, Millennium. Yeah. I do remember uh, being with my brother, and uh, it be you know it was '99, and then. 1201 or whatever mm-hmm, yeah. and I do remember Colin and I both that's my brother picking up phones and being like yep still still have a phone mm-hmm, signal so yeah. everything still works <laughs> it was like a thing like I don't know it's uh, I'll say this and I don't you know need to get too much into it because talking about Buffy and not so much <clears throat> the outside world and panicking about stuff but the Y2K bug if to my recollection mm-hmm. uh like took up my attention from Thanksgiving onwards maybe summer of wow. 99 wow. onwards Where, but, and it wasn't like a, I wasn't doomsdaying it was just on the news that's mm-hmm. what we talked about and there was yeah. some other things going on obviously um and like in the bay area like the news is always bad but it was a thing where I was like, we probably spent like three months talking about Y2K. Whereas like nowadays, it's like the Y2K bug would take up the top of maybe, if you're lucky, your Twitter notifications. Yeah. And then it'll be another thing yeah. and another thing. Yeah. And you're just like, I don't even have time to focus on the Y2K bug because I yeah. got to worry about like, apparently all the footballs are turning into acid. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. everything is going crazy right now. Whereas Y2K, we all like it's true. collectively Every, focused I on it. I was going to say, yeah, even if, even if you were sort of a, a naysayer like I was... Mm-hmm. Uh, 13 years old or however old I was. Uh, I I do agree with you, though, that it was on everybody's radar and there weren't a lot of other things that people were worrying about. Yeah. yeah. It's very different now with everybody being so, like, tuned in to the sort of greater scheme of the world at all times. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, it, it is, it's, it's very bizarre to look back at that time period and be like, really? People were worried about this? Yeah. yeah. We were worried that like, what, the clocks couldn't handle it? Yeah. 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 Is that what it was? Yep. It was like the clocks and like anything that was like time dated yep. or had time meta mm-hmm. was only double digit. So it would reset to zero, zero, which mm-hmm. people were afraid would register as 1900. Yep. Uh, and then we'd go back to the year. We would just and travel we would back, just go to back to the year 1900. <laughs> well, it's like, oh, the World Wars didn't even happen. And yet. my uh, <laughs> my parents are both programmers, mm-hmm. so I want to say that they did do like a massive yeah. backup they of all of their up, stuff yeah. <laughs> uh, before before Y2K hit. So they were prepped. Yeah, like, they were the totally thing. prepared. Like, yeah, yeah. They're just like, of course, we got to deal with it. Yeah, I feel like maybe we didn't do it so much with our home of course. files. Uh, and, you know, at the time, PlayStation had those removable memory cards. So, like, we were fine. Yeah. yeah. Like, my brother and I were not worried about our Final Fantasy VII saves. <laughs> like, you know, very, very important. <laughs> if it was like, no, this file isn't even accessible for another hundred years. You're no. like, no, I, I promise you it's not the year 1900 PlayStation. <laughs> yes. Like your X Men Mutant Academy game right? save is really—it's <laughs> ruined. Yeah. Uh, there was different times. That different one times. case of that one guy at Blockbuster who I think got like a huge fine, and the news is like <laughs> so happy about it. They're like, what a fun story! And mm-hmm. they're like, this guy's got to pay like fifty thousand dollars because his videotape was due before really the advent <laughs> of cinema. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. <laughs> it's like he's got to pay Moybridge. Like I don't know how that would work out. <laughs> But yeah, so this is the first episode of The Willennium. It, it is. The Willennium. Which we're still in. Which we're still in. And never won't be. Right? For us. Probably for not. For us, yeah, we'll probably <laughs> die before the next one. That's I would true. assume so, but we'll see Who what knows? happens. Who knows? Lifespans are getting longer. Ooh. We may turn out to be immortal. Maybe we'll just all get turned into vampires. There's like that blood tech, right, that's going on right now. I want to say it's, um, what's blood his name tech? from what? PayPal? Teal? Is like working on this oh. thing where it's like you can take, old people can take young people's, it's vampirism. 
Great. It's um, but just without the teeth, and right. it's just like you get. It's like young tech vampires. Blood. Tech vampires. Damn. And not like a techno, like ooh, I suck data. No, like, no, no. I'm using technology to extract. It's like um the the in the doppelgangerland wishverse, the master oh, is a little espresso yeah. machine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. But it's the guy who runs PayPal. Like, <laughs> and it's real. Whoa. Yeah. Do you guys think that like we could? that Buffy is really happening around us, but we just don't see it because it's not like clearly vampires. It's like other things. I hope so. Yeah. Mm. Like Maybe Ethan I don't. Rain might be like a, uh, 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 like Musk or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> Elon Musk is, he's actually Ethan Rain. But... <laughs> he's causing problems for us all. <laughs> it's just another, another form of Ethan Rain. His, but his chaos magic is like installing solar panels on the top of cars. Mm. Like it's really mm-hmm. like disruption. Oh, it's disruption though. It is. That's a tech thing. Yeah. yeah. That's chaos. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we might be onto something here. I think we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you guys, how do you guys feel about Riley and Buffy? Oh, and by um, the way, we didn't say it in the beginning, but we're going to get to some Summer of Riley stuff at the end of this. Oh, yeah. So hang tight. I know mm-hmm. we pushed it off, but we are going to read a lot of Summer of Riley. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then get your thoughts on these, Emma, because yeah. It's, yeah. We're, it's Summer of Riley. Um, so I have always felt like I am one of five people that like Riley, and I am slowly but surely discovering that there are many more of us. Uh, <laughs> there are dozens of us. Yes. Uh, so I actually really enjoyed the stuff that was going on between Buffy and Riley in this episode because I felt like... I mean, it now to look at it now, it seems a little bit melodramatic, but at the time, that, that was it, I think it was handled extremely well from the point of view of uh, one of the things I really enjoy about Buffy as a character is her inner conflict, her conflict of okay, well, I have this responsibility, and obviously things did not end so great with Angel. There was a lot of heartbreak and hurt that went on there, uh, and so. I think it makes perfect sense that she's hesitant about Riley, but Riley is also, I argue that Riley is good for her at this point in her life because he is the closest thing that she can ever realistically have to normal. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because he is a normal guy. Yes, he works for the commandos and he also fights demons and things. So he understands her world to a certain degree but he doesn't actually have any like supernatural abilities. Right, right. he is a just a normal, yeah, normal man. Totally, he's yeah. not like a guy who like cares about who's like obsessed with Buster Keaton mm-hmm. and has no idea how to deal with oh, vampire stuff. Absolutely, like, he's absolutely. a little weirder than that. Yeah, but not so weird that he's a vampire. And I was really yeah. glad that they didn't do a storyline of like, oh, you know, Buffy is with this guy to whom she can't reveal her like secret identity is the slayer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, I, I like Riley for that reason. They both get to a little Clark Kent. Yeah, they do. Yeah. 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 And that moment where in hush, where in they hush, are kind of yeah. like face to face with the weapons. It's, uh, it's mm-hmm. very exciting. Yeah. And that whole conversation with Forrest. Where yeah. Riley, I, what I enjoy about Riley at this point is it really, the season didn't just throw her into another relationship. It really does kind of build it up in a natural way. Mm-hmm. And that Riley is someone who it's not just like, okay, we need a new love interest in the show. It's this guy. It's like, no, an this actual story yeah, happens yeah. there. Yeah, I think I think there probably are some people that kind of have that feeling about Riley that he I think probably some of the naysayers, they're like, no, they just like needed to create a new love interest for her. And I don't feel that way about Riley. I agree with you, yeah. Chris, that they they do. They spend the time 
to build him up as a character. And and one of the things, it was interesting, I was just watching a thing about uh, the woefully underappreciated Spider-Man 2, the mm. Sam Raimi Spider-Man, yeah. which I think is the best of all the Spider-Man Chloe films. Dextra. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, yeah, that I, uh, that the whole storyline there is with, you know, Peter Parker being like, I can't hurt these people. I can't have them in my life. And that that's kind of echoed in what's going on with Buffy and Riley mm-hmm. in this episode. And I, I think that that, that's a that's a real thing that any but I mean even though like I'm not out there like fighting demons or whatever I I can relate mm-hmm. to that whole mm-hmm. like I don't want to get you involved in this shit that's going on in my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and I also like that. So, kind of Buffy's always been a show that doesn't really <laughs> celebrate kind of like the machismo. No, side of not things. at all. And I think that with Riley, it's the first time that like a character of that level is included and sympathized with. Whereas mm-hmm. previously, they're always sort of seen as these just kind of like guy guys are the yeah, worst. Yeah, guy guys are the worst. I mean, he has that that balls poster on the wall. Mm-hmm. Did you see that mm-hmm. thing? He's like throwing. <clears throat> there's like a. I actually knew someone who had this poster. It says balls, and then there's different sports balls. Okay. Uh, but it's also, you know, yeah, implied. Yeah. <laughs> it's on them. Yeah, yes. Totally. It's but on I, Riley's wall in his mm-hmm. drone room. But I think that's the other thing that I, I like about Riley is that he sort of subverts that trope of the really masculine sort of alpha male. Yeah. Because he is a he is a good person. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, down to the fact that they very specifically give him this code name of Lilac to basically be like, nah, like he's, he looks tough, but he's kind of a soft flower boy on the inside. (laughs) He's a soft flower boy on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, it's like, it's, he's like a Buffy version of like the, uh, like, I don't know, like a Nick Fury. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Character from the comics, you know? Like, where it's, like, you expect this guy to be, like, shut down on feelings and everything because of how you perceive him from the outside. And the same way that you might, uh, and the whole premise of, like, Buffy is, like, the joke is, like, you see her and cheerleader girl from high school and you're right. like, she's weak, can't defend mm-hmm. herself. She's the one killing vampires. He's the one who has feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And that is really cool. I like that a lot in terms of his character. Yeah, and that, that scene between the two of them where they run into each other when they're both sort of out patrolling and, he, you know, he says to her, like, I just, I'm not... I mean, I really like you, but I'm not gonna like force myself on you or anything. But just, I think we could really work. Like, it's yeah. really, it's really kind of endearing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's weird too how Riley and Spike coming into the gang at the same time because we love Spike, or mm-hmm. well, maybe not everybody does, but and this is I do, and this is fun Spike. This is the most fun. Yeah, this is the start of the era where he is just laughs and comic Mm -hmm. relief and he's with the good guys, but in this extremely just silly way. Yeah. And I'd say to me, if it was like, what's my main memory of this episode, it's Spike's little speech at the end. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. His little like, there's evil afoot. And you're like, great. This is like Spike. And and like the music that underplays Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Because it's like, what's interesting too is the gang feels like a protection of him now like they don't want him to stake himself mm-hmm. because like but like but what real use is he to them at this point besides their friends before finding yeah. out that he can fight demons none none right? none yeah. at and all and they still are like we're keeping him he's mm-hmm. xander he lives in a basement with xander <laughs> where it's like i don't know what xander's parents are thinking about like just like is he not noticed that yeah. there's this like strange british man just tied to the 
chair. Yeah. Uh, um, but I think that them wanting to save him and then they don't want Riley even to know who Spike is. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting. What do you think about the gang choosing to kind of protect Spike while also still keeping Riley kind of at a distance? Yeah, I, I don't know that it's explained incredibly well because you do yeah. bring up a good point of like, why he's not really serving any purpose. I think it just, I think it's just maybe used to illustrate the fact that because Spike is incapable of harming humans, he's now no longer actively a threat to them. And Mm -hmm. so they can't justify being happy about him dying. And I think it's also in this episode to illustrate sort of the humanity of Willow and Xander and how important they are to sort of keeping Buffy grounded in the real world. Yeah, yeah. especially when she's spending more time with Riley, an organization yeah. that tortures and experiments yeah. in like a really gross fashion mm-hmm. um, or disturbing fashion, at least on demons. Yeah. Whereas Xander and Willow are like, yeah, we don't, that's not us though. Right? Totally. Like the Scoobies aren't the initiative in that yeah. way. Right. Yeah. And Xander and Willow, Season four has been, it's interesting because it's like, I know that in the beginning of the season, we were always like, and this is the episode where the season kind of finds itself. And no, wait, no, wait, it actually was this one. Mm. Oh, wait, wait, no, 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 I forget that, forget yeah. that. This is the one. I think that it just gradually always is a building season yeah. that never really finds a status quo. Yeah. Whereas it's like earlier seasons, it's like, okay, you get your big bad information out of the way in the first like three or four episodes. Mm-hmm. And then we just kind of sit in that storyline and in that reality. Whereas this, it's yes, it's college and that's ongoing. But the way that the gang develops and changes Mm -hmm. is kind of always in transition, Mm -hmm. which I think is also kind of representative of what season four is. Where it's like, especially also like Xander and Willow, I think are the ones. Well, Xander, Willow and Giles, I would say, are all kind of adrift this year. Yeah, Like Xander's delivering pizzas, Giles hanging out with a bunch of, Freshman in college yeah. and has no job. Yeah. And Willow, who's now, you know, she's trying to embrace her witch persona and that side of her life more, but she still hasn't quite done that. Done that. Yeah. yeah. Like she but, started to with like Tara and. But, sure. But now, yeah, we met Tara last episode, we met Tara but we haven't met Tara episode. again. No, I was so sad that Tara wasn't in this episode. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I, I think that it's also very indicative of that time in your life. You know what I mean? Like it's, it doesn't bother me that there, there's a lot of back and forth and drifting and trying to figure yourself out because that's what that is. That's what college is. Yeah. Yeah, That's really true. Freshman year, especially where you're just like, I think I'm a lawn social major. And then by the end you're like, no, no, (laughs) I'm not that at all. Yeah, no, that's cool. And then the spike, spike, Trying to kill himself and wearing Xander's clothes is also so hilarious that there's a specific toy for it. Yes, <laughs> yes, there is. It's like, yes, doomed episode Spike has an action figure because his whole, like, I'm a friend of Xander's yep. here. Yep. <laughs> his bad American accent is so yeah. funny because he is American. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's great. I also, I, I love the interactions between Willow and... Uh, Unable to injure humans, Spike. Yeah. Because in this episode where he, you know, he's in the Hawaiian shirt and the short pants and he like lunges at her. He's like, I'm not scary at all, am I? And she's like, well, you know, the the shirt and the short pants don't help. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, that's great. <laughs> that is great. And then the Hellmouth just fully a random crack in the ground. Yep. Yep. Great moment too in terms of what I've also noticed too about what I like about Riley now that we're kind of getting to see his commando mm-hmm. self more is that he is ba- he's a badass. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's totally a badass. He's yes. super cool. And like when he like mm-hmm. takes the rope and ties it to her and helps her, it's like mm-hmm. and what's cool about Riley as well is he's the most physically at least heroic and adventurous mortal character mm-hmm. that we've yeah. come across in the show True. to date. Totally. Cuz like Spike and Angel have enhanced uh strength. Mm-hmm. Giles only gets in the fray so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and Faith, obviously, Faith and Buffy all, you know, super mm-hmm. powered. And so Riley, it's just from his own kind of mortal training yeah. that he does all of these heroics. Well, I like, too, that we see right off the bat in this episode with Riley now knowing that Buffy is the Slayer, he is supporting her. You know what I mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't try to be like oh, let me, like, protect you. I got this under control. And he's, you know, when she's like, no, I'm going to handle this, he's like, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to come with you and support you, you know, instead of trying to, like, push her aside. Like, to me, it feels like he's very fascinated by this other aspect, this sort of more mythical, mystical, like destined kind of uh, demon hunting branch as opposed to his, which is a very military one. And and he is, he's not dismissive of her, unlike the initiative itself, like the conversation he has with, uh, uh, isn't Forrest Forrest, is the other guy, when when, uh, he's like, oh man, you ever heard of the Slayer? And he's like, bro, that's a story that they just like, to the demons, like, tell their children to, right. you know, make them eat their vegetables. <laughs> like, it's, it's cool that he's heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I just love that, like, thing where he's just like, there's just a story they tell each other. And I was just like, we have Giles being like, it's just an earthquake. We have mm-hmm. you guys being like, this is just, I was like, just look into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. And Buffy trying to distract Giles from the fact that she knows somebody that's in mm-hmm. the initiative. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and this is a the, a lot of the writing in this episode is super clever, as mm-hmm. like yeah. casual as the Hellmouth stuff seems. Uh, like Buffy's first reveal to Riley in the dorm room about just kind of knowing everything already. Yeah. that's a great scene. Mm-hmm. Yep. What was she called? Like the what's her alternate phrase for hostile subterrestrials? She's like non non sapiens. Yeah. Non sapiens. Yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. But yeah, and then. Uh, Mark Blucas in the opening credits. He's in. He's in. Yep. He made it. Riley, you're part of the show. There you go, man. <laughs> you're now an official cast member. Topish build. <laughs> top top heavy build. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Towards the top. Towards build. the top. Towards the top. <laughs> uh, really quickly before no. we, I see the hand getting very close to the bell. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, how did you guys feel about seeing the library again? I love it. Yeah, yeah, I was glad to go back to the library because, again, I, but but also confused by the fact that it was still there. I mean, I understand from the point of view that, okay, the Hellmouth is there. We maybe don't want to mess with this. Not, But it did seem a little weird to me that they didn't, like, demolish it and yeah. start building something else or just, you know, close those grounds off. Like, I, I felt like... Maybe that should have been a little more protected. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, uh, so our librarian blew up our library 
while there was a giant like snake monster <clears throat> on the loose. Let's not touch it. Let's not yeah. touch it. Let's go yeah. to lunch. Lunch. Yep. That sounds great. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Let's head out. TGI Fridays. TGI yeah. Fridays. That sounds great. wonderful. Awesome. For lunch. Yeah, absolutely. Why sure, not? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And that was it. Like, that's every day of discussion where they're like, should we do it? It's like, oh, lots of red tape, lots of red tape. Yeah, yeah but you have no library. Yeah. I guess it's kind of consistent. It's like, if perhaps Sunnydale is always ignoring Vampires. these awful things. That's true. That is true. The guy who gets killed at the Aftershock party. It's either that there's some kind of mystical energy from the Hellmount that just kind of, like, confuses the citizens to not look into this stuff <laughs> like more. Like, yeah. spells. Yeah. Maybe. I do remember watching uh, Buffy as a kid with uh, my mom, who's a big Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan, and her being like, I just don't understand why anybody lives in this town. Yeah. Like, but I, I did also really like in this episode that uh, at the very beginning when Buffy and Riley are having that conversation and he's talking about like, oh, I'm really normal. And she's like, yeah, maybe for this town, but yeah. that's not normal, bro. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> not grading on a curve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then my curiosity would be, does the initiative know about the Hellmouth because they came to Sunnydale. So it's like, maybe that's just where the demon activity is and they don't think about it. Oh, know, and they don't, don't see, oh, and they don't see the connection necessarily. Yeah. They see the symptom yeah. and yeah. yeah. Something that I don't think they've called to attention, but something to wonder. I don't think wonder. so either, yeah. Yeah, because you would think it's like, oh, okay, if they knew that the Hellmouth was in Sunnydale, obviously, naturally, that would be mm -hmm. a good place to set up shop. But at the same time, the symptom of, oh, greater demon, vampire, mm -hmm. end of the world sort of activity also would attract that kind of organization, yeah. so. Yeah. In yeah. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Things to ponder as we continue. And that is our bell, which means we are almost out of time, but before we do that, we are gonna do our extracurricular activity, which means we make something up on the spot, inspired by the episode, it could be a local mm. commercial, a jingle, a sketch, anything. I would like to throw out possibly, uh, us doing something that's like Spike's American accent. Oh, Great. yeah. Like American doing mm -hmm. British doing American. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, we would just need like a situation which in which at least two of us would need to fake our way through. Um, a like a ticket purchasing situation. Mm -hmm. A ticket purchasing, a tic -tic purchasing situation like at like a. Or like at, at like a, a, a football game, like an American football okay, game. Okay, great, great, great. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Okay. Hey, uh, everybody. Welcome to the Rams versus the Bull Rams. We are very excited. Do uh, you guys just two tickets? Just two for you? Yes. We are from America, and we want to purchase tickets to this American football event. Perfect. That's why I'm here. <laughs> we have uh, dollars. We have the money that would require that would be required for that. Yes. Purchase. Good. We have um, lots of bills with presidents' faces on them. This is George Washington. Washington. Yeah. Yes. And I have a Van Buren. Oh, uh, I didn't know he was on one of the dollars. Oh, bloody hell! I forgot. I'm going to say Benjamin. I meant, I misspoke. <laughs> I Andrew Jackson. Yeah, we have an Andrew Jackson. Oh, well, luckily one of our proudest presidents. Yes, he is a good one, I'm sure. Don't remember much about him. I'm sure it's all good. Uh, yeah, but, you know, you don't need to necessarily know much about the president to use the money. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll just hand over the tickets now. If you can just... It's, uh, it comes up to uh, forty-five ninety-five. Okay. Well, give us just... Yes. Give us just one second. 
Okay, we have to count this. I know. Just, but don't convert back. Damn it. Okay. 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 It's forty-five dollars. Yeah. Okay, great. This is very inexpensive for ball game. It's just fifty-seven. That's a weird, weird Fifty-seven. Okay. All right. Here you go. Here's your cash. Oh, thank you. Great. All right. <laughs> and a ticket for you. A ticket for you. And a complimentary amount of change that you're already owed. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Oh, that you. is very nice of you. Yes, thank you for coming to the game. Is there anything else I can get you today? If we are to get hurt, what's the social medical situation that we would <clears throat> register under? Um, yes. I would say just uh, scream really mm. loud and eventually someone will uh, will uh, will call for the police. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is our last call. <laughs> I feel like that was pretty straightforward. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> that was actually great. exactly how that play out. Great exercise. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I love that there's definitely something going on where they had to lie about being American. I don't we know have no why. idea why, but that was just I don't know. <laughs> maybe they were secret spies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Secret that. British spies trying to find out about the Rams versus yep. the Bull Rams. <laughs> Rams, versus yeah. the Bull Rams. So they can take that information back. Very important, very important. <laughs> oh man. Well thank you guys for so much for joining us uh with our discussion of episode four eleven uh Doomed Buffy the Vampire Slayer season four. And Emma, thank you so much for joining yeah, us today. Thanks for guest. having me. This is awesome. Uh, if people would like to find more of your activities, creativities, and voice, where can they do that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I am on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram primarily. You can find me at Emma Fife, E-M-M-A-F-Y-F-F-E. That is all Fs as in Fred, no S's as in snake. Uh, they tend to sound the same uh, on the phone or when you record them into a microphone and transmit them into somebody's ear. I've had some very interesting uh, hotel reservations made for me by other people <laughs> over the phone where they did not know to tell them the FNS thing. Uh, and I've shown up and been like, hi, I should have a reservation for Fife. And they're like, mm, and I'm like, so like a, there's something under SY. And they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, size. <laughs> <laughs> and that's me. <laughs> I do lots of things, but follow me on Twitter. We covered them basically at the top of the episode. That's true. So, uh, that's true. You know, follow me on Twitter. You know everything I'm doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. How about you, Chris? Hey, everybody. I'm Chris Bramante. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube as a Montioc. You can also find me every Thursday on the Gauntlet on Hyper RPG, playing a Montioc as well. And you can find me, Omar, and Emma doing our Buffy RPG on yeah. Tuesdays on Hyper, mm-hmm. which is super fun and awesome. And really we want you to come and, and, uh, and enjoy it with us. Uh, and then you can find me with musical improv group Robot Teammate. If you're in New York, please come check out Turbulence, our musical. It's going to be off-Broadway, the Soho Playhouse, from October 13th to October the 22nd. And those are the things. Omar, where can they find you? I'm Omar. You can find me at Omar Najam on Twitter. And also, <laughs> 13 Days, 13 Shorts is about to kick off. That's right. We're going to read out the themes for the 13 days in this year's festival on October first. But before that, we actually need your help. So if you want to tweet at 13 Days, 13 Shorts, that's one three days one three shorts with any words or phrases you associate with halloween or autumn please do so and they'll all go into a jack-o'-lantern on october 1st we're going to pull them out and find out what the themes are going to be so go ahead and do that and check out 13 days 13 shorts on twitter and as always you can find anything and everything sunnydale study group related at ssg podcast again that's at ssg podcast on twitter as well as sunnydale study group on facebook and on instagram Stay tuned after the music because we are going to read some of your Summer of Riley responses because I believe this is the last 
uh, podcast of Summer of Riley because I believe, legally speaking, after September 22nd, it becomes the fall of Finn. Yeah, no, I think we've already entered the fall of Finn. I think we're, yeah. as we're recording this, we've entered the fall of Finn. Yeah. So we'll yeah. recap Summer of Riley and then we're going <laughs> to... As we've entered the As we've entered. We're looking back now on the yeah. Summer of Riley now that it's cooled down a little bit, mm-hmm. which in L.A., uh, means it's going to heat up again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys, thank you so much. Next week, we are down in Los Angeles to discuss some angel and the results of him sleepwalking around. Just kidding. <laughs> There's no fallout of that. Yeah, that no, never, we never see Jeremy out. Renner. Yeah, yeah it's fine. <laughs> so great. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you then. Pack up your bags, pack up your books. We'll see you next week. So now, guys, we are. Uh, this is the day after the autumnal equinox, which means it's uh, the perfect time to reflect back on the summer of Riley, the biggest event of the summer that we started in August. <laughs> it's kind of an end of summer close off. Midsummer night takes place, what, September? So it works, right? And by it, the way, it doesn't. If it was the event of the summer and it started in August, y'all went out with a bang. Okay, there we go. That's <laughs> a right. great pitch. There, there that we go. That is good. Thank you. Thank you, my special investigator, James Brennan. It's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite. That, like, caught on. People are so excited that you're a special investigator. It's <laughs> just the best title no one saw coming. I, I am I am honored to be titled such. Yeah. <laughs> he has so his own spinoff. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm going to read to you guys um, some uh, Riley responses. Great. Uh, so let's see here. These are from Twitter. Uh... uh We've got, uh, from German, worst character ever. Okay. Not true. <laughs> uh, from JP, I have no strong feelings about Riley. He's just fine. Was kind of surprised to see this assumed hatred Buffy fans should have. Oh, wow, okay. I emphasized the wrong words in that. I should have read. <laughs> yeah. I can't read audio. It is that. kind of an assumed hate. Like, I was even, I was listening to some Hellmouthies from season four, the Hellmouthy podcast, mm-hmm. and they... They're not like Riley bashers, but mm-hmm. like it's definitely it feels like the, their approach in the conversation is just this like oh yeah yeah so this is a character that most people hate, and that's the assumed like that's everyone the assumed got thing. Got it. Well, growing up watching the show, I I always liked Riley, mm-hmm. and uh, I never really met anyone who outright didn't like him. It was just kind of this understanding of like he's a temporary character, mm-hmm. right? He won't be around yeah. for too long. Like we like that he's here for now, but we don't see him around for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Also, hey JP, hey JP. <laughs> uh, Scott E says, "I uh, just want to say I'm a Riley fan." Okay. So we got one more in the Riley fan bucket. So not like the apathetic, mm-hmm. like an actual fan. Uh, and this is the Riley alarm, which means it's heating up. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, our good friend Blair says, meh, boring character, unworthy boyfriend in my opinion. For me, he was written bad mostly, but the acting was a bit wooden. Okay. So that's a, that's a little explanation, a deep dive, so right? So Blair coming in 
Hot against Riley. Yeah. Okay. Uh, with a hot meh. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's see Rachel here. Hine also said meh, right? I no. believe Rachel Hine also said meh. Uh, Diana Navarro, how am I supposed to say everything I want to say about how much I dislike Riley in less than 125 characters? Hashtag Summer Riley. Included the hashtag as the characters. I appreciate the maths there. <laughs> Uh, so Diana coming in hot against, yeah, right? Yeah. So kind of stacking, stacking up there. Uh, our very good friend, study buddy, uh, Rachel Hine. I have always been meh on Riley, but I have to admit he is very sweet to Willow. True. Right? So there's some information there. What are you guessing of that so far before I hop into a longer comment by our good buddy Tatum? I don't understand any of this. I, <laughs> it's He was such a good guy. He was a nice... Look, here's what's happening right now, all right? And I think people are failing to understand this. Riley is the nice guy of the romantic comedy tri- like love triangle that would become like Buffy and Spike. And, you know, you have Riley here. He's that guy. He's, he's, he's Bill Pullman in Sleepless in Seattle, you know? Yeah. He's uh, James... Masters or, or Masterson Marsden Mars, Marsden no, yeah in uh, the Notebook mm-hmm. I didn't see it Marsden you never saw the Notebook that's okay James Marsden has made a career out of playing guys like he played in the Notebook okay. it basically just Cyclops. Cyclops is all those things that's the thing Riley Cyclops he's the nice guy superhero yeah. you know and we know he's not going to get the girl in the end he it's a temporary thing but that doesn't make him a bad person or someone you need to like wish ill will on I'm Team Riley in terms of just. <laughs> Him being like a person, he was, he was good. He was a good guy. Yeah, he is a good guy. Uh, so as a counterpoint, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> One more thing. One more thing. One more thing. You, how dare you guys hate on a man who is serving his country? Oh, wow. Okay, this he is a part of a government program doing things that he thinks is going to make the world a better place as an American. All right, I salute you, Riley, and you have my respect. Thank you for your service. Watched this movie last night called Shark. Uh, Shark. Uh, um, oh God, why is my mind blanking right now? What's it called when there's uh, an avalanche? It's an avalanche. Uh, Shark avalanche. Uh, is that a sequel to Sharknado? It is not a sequel. I don't know why you would associate those two films together. Uh, <laughs> and there was an avalanche. Of, there wasn't even an avalanche of sharks. What happened was there's these spirits of sharks, and then they what? swim through snow. That sounds and, amazing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so it's a ghost shark avalanche. I mean, I think a ghost shark would be a lot more exciting than what turned out to be. They swim through the snow. So it was a great idea. I would say, yes, exactly. Like, undeniably great idea. But also spring break in <laughs> Mammoth, and then mm-hmm. they were like, oh, bikini skiing. And I was like, what is going on right now? So anyhow, um, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, well, the main character you find out later is a Marine. But he's like, definitely not a Marine, which <laughs> I found really insulting. Because he's like... Well, I was, I served, I'm a Marine. I was just like, this is, this, you're, no, don't do that. Don't say that unless you're going to commit to this character choice. Uh, And then at one point he's like, how about you shut up because you're just a guy and I'm a Marine. And I was like, what is going on right now? Weird. Anyway, I mean, let's not expect the best out of a script called Shark Avalanche. Avalanche. (laughs) Are you saying Avalanche? Avalanche. Interesting. Avalanche. I've never said it like that. Try it. Avalanche. Ooh. How do you like it, right? Uh, kind of good. Take it for a ride. Yeah, I, I, uh, excuse me, I'd like to uh, order the uh, croque monsieur with the side of avalanche. There you go. Yeah. yeah, it sounds not only fancier, but safer. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's an avalanche. Yeah, actually, that's probably a little misleading. There's an avalanche. Oh, I have to get the <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. out of Dodge. All right, so this is what from Tatum Riley. 
Oh, he's already a Riley. Uh, he's already a Riley, but he's very anti-Riley. Okay. Um, and it took us a while to read this comment, so you're getting sort of last say on this before we have our Riley off during the fall of Finn between two study buddies that will happen very soon. We'll make a poster for it. It's mm-hmm. going to be huge. CNN might cover it. Might oh, great. cover it. Yeah. Um, LOL, WTF, is this guy talking about? I believe that was a comment to me. How is he unaware that everyone effing hates Riley? Question mark. There's a million reasons to hate Riley, and here's the list. He's a lug. He weighs down every single scene, and not in a good way. His thoughts, this is a separate point, his thoughts on right and wrong are so rigid, he judges Willow for dating a werewolf, which I think is a very great point that we'll get into later as we continue during the fall of Finn. All right, here's the next point, and I'm going to remove an element of this because there's a spoiler, but he comes off as a good guy and thinks of himself as such, but in reality, he's completely threatened by a woman that is stronger than him. That's a point I agree with. Mm Mm-hmm. He constantly blames Buffy for his own insecurity. He cannot stand that a strong woman doesn't need him all the time. He often deals with ultimate. I'm now paraphrasing to avoid spoilers. He often deals with ultimatums. Yeah. Um, yeah. He doesn't have good chemistry with Buffy. It can be argued this could be that the actors don't have good chemistry, or it could be the two characters are written to purposely not be like the red-hot angel-Buffy relationship that was. Another good point. Although I disagree with chemistry, which we can get into later. I think we have that discussion Talk. earlier where i was on the pro side. chemistry i was no i think you were more you were more pro riley than i am oh sorry i, I thought you meant talking about chemistry because i have a whole yeah. thing about chemistry now where i'm just like chemistry's kind of overrated really the chemistry is not the basis of a good relationship in my opinion yeah um okay all in all my personal problem with riley is that he is such a rigid person which i agree and i'm super pro riley but I understand he's written to be this way. This does not mean I ever like seeing him on screen, though. He is not fun to watch the way Angel and Spike are. And I think that is the point. He is the rebound, dependable. He's the rebound guy, dependable and dull, but ultimately another evil dressed up as the innocent. That's a very interesting way to phrase that because of his sort of rigid philosophy, right? Yeah. The initiative background. I think there's a natural inclination to hate lovers that come off innocent, but end up being way more nefarious in their complete lack of self-awareness, and that is Riley. Completely lacking self-awareness. And did they say hashtag some of Riley? There's no hashtag some of Riley, because this is a comment on the Lipson page. Well, that's, I mean, I appreciate that someone wrote a comment on our Lipson page. I very much appreciate that. We don't that. usually get those. No, I think this might be the only one. <laughs> and it took a while to approve, because we usually don't get it, so it's just like, I never check the mailbox, and someone's like, I wrote you three letters, and I was like, oh, I can't see it. Only one, or the first one? Whoa. Whoa. Probably the only one. <laughs> so, you know, everybody's got their opinion. Thanks for sharing yours. And as we continue through the fall of Finn, we will find out uh, more information about Riley. If you have not seen the show before, we'll see how he deals with different situations. Uh, but definitely that is an interesting element. That is the, uh, I would say the keystone of Buffy is that Buffy and the Scoobies are a little bit more flexible in different aspects mm-hmm. and that's what gives them their strengths was the watchers are like do this you fight vampires and buffy was the one who's like actually i'm a girl from california i'm gonna do things my way and was yeah. able to succeed where the watchers couldn't i think that that's gonna pop up also with riley but i like it again right now i'm team riley so yeah i wouldn't i'm i'm definitely i don't know if i'm on anyone's team necessarily but i enjoy Riley more this time around as we were talking about in the session earlier and that he is a heroic figure and that he's very brave and Mm -hmm. like Brent was talking about he's you know he's serving his country and he underwent training to put himself in harm's way so like with the the goal of protecting 
others. Like in the in the the conversation between like Marvel versus DC, if Marvel is Riley and DC's anti Riley, you're like reading Oni Press, but yeah, you know Secret Wars. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, got it. Yeah, that should clarify it for mm-hmm. everyone. <laughs> And that, then, that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so there it is. We're going to have our Riley off, uh, which is going to be very epic, and it's going to be very heated. And by heated, I mean very respectful. And we're going to have guests. But it's going to be probably during the heat wave. So but it's going to be. It's actually probably going to be yeah. during a very hot day in October because that's what it is. In Los there's Angeles. another one coming. Oh, there's another one coming. We're not. Oh man. <laughs> you know how Taylor Swift once asked us, "Are we out of the woods?" The answer is no. If the woods is a heat wave, it does get ridiculously hot in October for no reason other than I think like the weather in LA is just like no you think yeah. <laughs> oh you thought you were like, you thought you were done how about October <laughs> welcome to act three of <laughs> yeah. your year uh, <laughs> <laughs> alright guys thank you so much we'll see you in Los Angeles next week with of course our special investigator James Bern Isaacs hi and bye and I'll see you then <laughs> <laughs> bye